We're thankful for all of you here tonight, thankful for the presence of the Lord, thankful for what God is doing in our midst and, um, and what is to come. John the ninth chapter, verse 32. Since the world began, was it not heard that any man opened the eyes of one that was born blind? Since the world began, was it not heard that any man opened the eyes of one that was born blind until now? Until now. I want to speak to you for a few minutes on the topic, until now. Let's ask the Lord to bless his word. Thank you, Jesus, God, for your blessing, for your word. God, for this people, for every family represented here tonight, every home, every child, we ask you to bless your word to our hearts and let the anointing presence of the Lord flow throughout this house and continue to move as you have already moved. Touch us and bless us in Jesus' name. Everyone said amen. amen. You may be seated. Matthew, the fourth chapter and verse 23 says this, and Jesus went about all Galilee teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. Everything. And Matthew, the fourth chapter and the 24th verse, and his fame went throughout all Syria and they brought unto him all sick people. Everybody say all. All sick people that were taken with divers diseases and torments and those which were possessed with devils and those which were lunatic and those that had the palsy and he healed them. And again, Matthew, the fourth chapter, the 25th verse, and there followed him great multitudes of people from Galilee and from Decapolis and from Jerusalem and from Judea and from beyond Jordan. When Jesus came, and started his ministry, people were awestruck at the things that they saw. They were bewildered. They'd never seen anything like this before until now. And then again in Matthew 9, 35, and Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. In other words, when Jesus came, he began to do things that people under Roman domination or not had never seen before. They'd never seen people healed and people delivered and things that people were born with all of a sudden totally changed and transformed. It created excitement and enthusiasm and people thought, I've never seen anything like this until now. A wide net had been cast. In fact, in the word of the Lord, it says uh, in this parable that Jesus told Matthew, the 13th chapter and the 47th verse, he said, again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a net, almost like a seine, a dragnet, 
that was cast into the sea and gathered of every kind. When the Lord cast the net, he cast a broad net. And in the last days that we're living now, there is a broad net that is cast for every single kind, every human being. When no matter where you come from or where you've been or where you think you're going, a net of redemption and salvation has been cast into our world. And wherever you're living tonight, whatever sorrow that you're in, there is a net of salvation, a net of change and transformation, a net of redemption. If you've been sorrowful, there's a net of joy. There's a net that has been cast into our world in the 21st century. And a God who's drawing in all of those. Matthew, the 8th chapter and the 16th verse tells us how wide the net was cast, even at first at the advent of the Messiah. When the evening was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils. And he cast out spirits with his word. And healed all. Everybody say all. all. And healed all that were sick. Matthew, the 12th chapter, the 15th verse. But when Jesus knew it, he withdrew himself from thence. And great multitudes followed him. And he healed them all. Everybody. The net was cast. He said, it doesn't matter who you are or what your infirmity or what your disease or what your problem is. I'm casting a wide net. Again, in Luke 4, 40, the fourth chapter and the 40th verse. Now, when the sun was setting, all they that had any sick with divers diseases brought them unto him. And he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. How did he get to everybody? I don't know, but he did. He laid his hands on every single one of them. And then again, Luke 16, the 19th verse, and the whole multitude sought to touch him. For there went out of him, went virtue out of him, and he healed them all, everybody. We have a statement that we say, and it, I started out in the text. People said, this, this hasn't been done before. We have a saying that says, I've never seen anything like this before. I've never seen anything like this. Have you ever said that? I've never seen anything like this. Never seen anything like this before. Well, the, the text, the message that I'm speaking about tonight is it's okay to say that, but you got to follow it with when it comes to the kingdom of God, when it comes to miracles, when it comes to what God's going to do in the 21st century. You better follow it with two words. Until now. Well, I've never seen anything like this. Until now. Because it's going to happen. Um, there's an article that I read. This is used just to show you. This was this past year, December 12th. The title of this article was, I've never seen anything like this. Newborn ejected in violent crash is unharmed. And uh, this happened somewhere in California, and the newborn lived and survived, was ejected from a vehicle. And this is what the officer said, California Highway Patrol. He said, I've been on for 17 years. I've never seen anything like this before. And so when we say that, what it does is it brings significance to the event. The reason we say I've never seen anything like this before is it really does magnify the power of that event, right? Yeah. 
the miraculous nature, the supernatural of that event. He said, in my 17 years, I've never seen anything like this before. Of course, in the kingdom, we would follow that by saying, until now. Because whatever you think can happen, when it comes to God, you may have never seen anything like it before, until now. But it's going to happen. And I got this one. This was this past year. The, the former PM of Australia uh, was out shaking hands with his electorate. And by the wayside, he found a roadside library. Isn't that neat? And his statement was, I've never seen anything like this before. A roadside library. Until now. You see, there should be nothing in our minds that is impossible with God. Even though you have never seen it, you should be able to believe it and imagine it. You may not have experienced it, but if you look in God's word, when people said this has never been done before in Israel, it would have to be followed with the words until now. Because when Jesus set foot on the shores of Galilee, he did things that befuddled the mind's eye, that, that confused people, that bewildered people. They didn't think it was possible until Jesus did the work. When Jesus stepped on the scene, he did things that people had never seen before and in the 21st century he's going to do the same things what you have never seen before will only be until now praise God in Mark the second chapter in the 12th verse and he rose and immediately picked up his bed and went out before them all so that they were all amazed and glorified God saying We've never seen anything like this. Right? We never saw anything like this. Of course, right now we're going to say, until now. Because really the implication of that saying has to be followed with until now. I never saw anything like this. Well, you wouldn't be saying it that way until you just saw it. Right? I've never seen anything like this. Until now. In other words, what it says is there is nothing that is impossible with God that I am not willing to know, trust, and believe that God is able to do. There is no infirmity. There is no addiction. There is no problem. There is no family dynamic that the spirit and presence of God cannot change. You may never have seen it, but in this day and time we're living in, you would have to finish it by saying, until now. Matthew 9, 33. And when the demon had been cast out, the mute man spoke, and the crowds marveled, saying, We've never seen anything like this until now. Isn't this funny? We thought we created that little, that little saying, didn't we? Oh, I've never seen anything like this. Sometimes we pray and, oh, wow, isn't that something? Whoa, look at what God did. I've never seen anything like this. Well, you asked for it, didn't you? Praise the Lord. This is when until now became a promise. God has given us a promise to move from 
I've never seen anything like this until the until now generation. Honey, I want to see it. I don't want to hang on what couldn't happen, what didn't happen, what I never saw happen. I want to live in the until now generation. Those are the people who actually see it, who experience it, who feel it, uh, who are transformed by it. Until now is where we are right now in the apostolic movement and generation. Luke 9. 1 and 2, he called his 12 disciples together and gave them power and authority over all devils. If he has authority over all sickness, that means everything that could give us the sickness too. He gave them power and authority over all devils and to cure diseases. And he sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. But, of course, that doesn't apply to any of us because we're not one of the 12. Until now. That's good. John 14 and 12. Oops, I just stumbled on this one. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me... How many believe on him? He that believeth on me. Oh, that was just for the 12 disciples. He just gave them power over all the devils and to cure and to heal sicknesses until now. Because Jesus said, he that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also. And greater works than these shall he do. Because I go unto my Father. You don't have to be one of the 12. You just have to believe on him. I know they were the ones who healed the sick and, and they were the ones where revival sprung up everywhere and they were the ones that had the upper room until now. They were the ones who saw the impossible until now. They were the ones who saw people delivered from emotional sicknesses and diseases and possession of the devil until now. Oh, well, y'all don't believe that. Mark eleven twenty two, I got it in two versions, English Standard first, and then we'll go to King James. And Jesus answered them, have faith in God. This is not about you. It is not about your ability. It's not about your intellect. Have faith in God. It's simple. Have faith. Truly I say unto you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass. It will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, whatsoever or whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it. Past tense. Whatsoever you ask in prayer means you have set loose something that has already occurred when it left your mouth. Because what follows and believe that he has received it. Meaning I prayed it, now it's done. There's no waiting period. There's no 30-day probation. There's no 60-day uh, 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 time frame, a gap between the prayer. He said, if you will believe it, 
that you've received it, it will be yours. Now, in the King James, and Jesus answering, saith unto them, have faith in God, for verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say to this mountain, be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart. I told the class this morning, only we know and God knows when we have doubt. But if G Jesus said that because he knows we know good and well when we're doubting. We have control over that. He said, don't doubt. You have control over doubt. You have control over fear. That doesn't have to grip you. He said, if you won't doubt, you make up your mind. I'm going to believe God in the impossible and I'm not going to doubt. He said, if you don't doubt... but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. While it's coming out of your mouth and you're speaking it and you're saying it, if you'll believe it, he shall have whatsoever. And I want to direct your attention to two parts of this verse. The first part, for verily I say unto you that only the twelve disciples... Only those with some kind of an education. It says, whosoever. The door is wide open for you. There is no criterion. There are no criteria that bind you from experiencing the beauty and power of this promise from God. It says, whosoever. He opened the door wide open. Whosoever says to a mountain, be thou removed in the name of Jesus Christ. And not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, that he's going to have whatsoever he saith. Therefore I say unto you, whatsoever things or what things soever ye desire when ye pray, believe that ye shall receive them, and ye shall have them. Until now, I thought that was just for the 12 disciples. But now I know that that same spirit that the 12 had is a spirit that God has transmitted to the 21st century. That in the midst of all of the problems and all of the trials of this hour and all of the darkness, God has left an open door for you to speak. I got this quote I read this morning. Bold prayers honor God, and God honors bold prayers. God isn't offended by your biggest dreams or boldest prayers. He is offended by anything less. If your prayers aren't impossible to you, they're insulting to God. Why? Because they don't require divine intervention. I don't need God to do anything big, so I'm not going to ask for anything big. Or I just want to make sure it stays within the realm of my possibility so I won't be disappointed. Honey, that's called doubt. That's doubt. That's fear. So I won't be disappointed. The verse up there didn't say, whosoever shall ask anything and, and shall not doubt but entertain a little disappointment now and again. 
You can't entertain disappointment. I don't care what happened to you in the past. I don't care what you prayed for that you thought didn't happen in the past. We're talking about right now. If you want to activate the power of God in your life, in your family, in your home, uh, honey, what you've got to do uh, is you've got to believe. Uh, you've got to go beyond what is possible for you. Uh, until now, you may have thought this was just for back then, uh, but honey, it's for today. Those things don't require divine intervention. Ask God to part the Red Sea or make the sun stand still or float an iron axe head and God has moved to omnipotent action. Ask him to do something big. I read this story this morning. I'm going to read it again. As John Wesley was crossing the Atlantic Ocean, contrary winds came up. He was reading in his cabin when he became aware of some confusion on board. When he learned that the winds were knocking the ship off course, he responded in prayer. Adam Clark, a colleague, heard the prayer and recorded it. This is the prayer. Almighty and everlasting God, thou hast sway everywhere, and all things serve the purpose of thy will. Thou holdest the winds in thy fists and sittest upon the water floods and reignest a king forever. Command these winds and these waves that they obey thee. And take us speedily and safely to the haven whither we would go. Wesley stood up from his knees, took up his book, and continued to read. Dr. Clark went on deck where he found calm winds and the ship on course. But Wesley made no remark about the answered prayer, Clark wrote. So fully did he expect to be heard that he took it for granted that he was heard. I don't even need to go up on top of the deck. I prayed it. Until now, I heard about it in the Bible. But today, I experienced it. Until now, I read about Jesus speaking peace under the wind and the waves. But today, today, I experienced it. And I know it's real. And I know God is real. And he exists. God can calm the waves in your life. Honey, until now you may have thought it was just a story you read, but there is a God here tonight who wants to set loose his miracle working power in your life to calm the winds, to transform your life, to change your trajectory. God is able to do it. Until now, you may have just read about it, but today is your day. Raise your hands and give God praise. Hallelujah. Until now, God, I was just hoping for a miracle. Until now, I was just waiting for something to happen. But God, I know that the key to the miracle is inside my mouth and my heart. I'm going to say it and not doubt and believe that what I have said has already happened. Why don't you just take a minute and say a prayer that's on your heart and pray it believing that when you say it and you're finished with it, it's already happened. Say it right now. Let's pray.
Praise God, until now, this was something maybe reserved to the history books. But not today. Not now. Hallelujah. If you want to and you have the will to, you can trade the statement I've never for the until now. I don't want to rest on the I've never seen. I don't want to hear about somebody else's miracle. I don't want to have to go back into the history books. I want to be able to say, until now. Until now, Lord, I didn't understand. Until now, I just thought, Lord, that that was somebody else's blessing. Until now, but now I understand. You're still moving in 2020. Jesus took a blind man by the hand who was in Bethsaida. Here, I believe, is our problem in this hour. Our problem is we're dealing with partial sight, partial faith, partial belief. We're still holding back. There is still a grain of doubt that keeps our spirit at bay. He took a blind man by the hand. He led him out of town, Mark 8, 23 through 24 says. And when he had spit in the man's eyes and put his hands upon him, he asked him, what do you see? And the man could have said, I see more than I've ever seen before. I'm fine right where I am. I've gotten a blessing. I, I've gotten encouragement. I like the, the going to church. And I, I like the music. And I like everything that's going on. But, but, but see, there's something else you don't see. And I'm going to try to show you some things in a quick few minutes that will help you extend your vision beyond where it is now. Because honestly, we don't know what we don't know. I only extend my vision to something that I think is attainable. When we sit here and, and we talk about praying for something impossible, I'll, I may just say, well, yeah, I'll, I'll pray something real quick, but okay, let's, let's move on. Not really understanding and knowing that if we knew what came out of our mouth had already happened, what would we say in prayer? Jesus asked the man, said, what do you see? He said, I see men as trees walking. I told the class this morning, God doesn't deal in unfinished business. This is an unfinished product. Jesus didn't want that man to go away with just a, a, a partial eyesight, just a little bit of blurry vision. Of course it was better than what he had, but it wasn't Jesus' God-inspired vision. When the Lord heals your eyes, you see everything clearly. God gave him, wanted to give him eagle eyes. He was honest and said, oh God, I, I, I don't see everything clearly enough. He could have said everything's great. He didn't lie about it. He said, I need more help. After that, Jesus put his hands again upon his eyes and made him look up. And he was restored. And the beautiful part of this verse, and he saw every man acuity of vision. God's not satisfied with just giving you a blessing tonight or a blessing Wednesday or just some keeping power to keep you. God wants to supercharge you with the power of the Holy Ghost and put you in a place and me in a place that we've never been before until now. I just read about the day of Pentecost. 
Until now, I just heard about what happened in the upper room. But I know now that that same presence of God that fell over 2,000 years ago is here tonight to fall again. God, put your hands on. See, until it happens to you, it's hard to believe it. Until God does the impossible for you, it's hard for you to understand it. What I'm asking you to do is almost impossible. You have to do it through faith's eye. And that is to say, God, I see something. I see it. What do you see? God, I see impossibilities. I see things that only you could do. It's hard enough for us to say it, but can you see it? Can you envision it? Can you visualize it? Can you see yourself dancing before the presence of the Lord, full of the Holy Ghost, God taking all of the cares of this world away and washing your soul and cleansing your mind and your spirit? Can you see it? The people who were infirmed in the Bible, Jesus would say, do you believe that I'm able to do this? Do you see it? Can you see in your mind's eye being healed? We're living in the until now generation. Joel 2.28. And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Some people think this, was, this prophecy was fulfilled in Acts the second chapter. But there is no proof of that. We don't believe that. It was partially filled. He said, your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your old men shall dream dreams, your young men shall see visions, and also upon the servants and upon the handmaids in those days will I pour out my spirit. If people would not have believed that there was more to come, they would have received nothing left. There would have been nothing left. If you think that that's already gone and there is no Holy Ghost left, then there are no more miracles. Then you're living in the afterglow of what once was. Of what once was. But honey, until now, you may have believed that. But you should realize that now, in this church, in this community, in this year, God is going to do the impossible. We're going to have a Joel 2.28 in Lono Apostolic Church. Because God is not finished. Also upon the servants and upon the handmaids in those days will I pour out my spirit. This is a building on Bonnie Bray Street, Los Angeles, 1909. Now I'm going to read you some things I want you to pay attention to. And I want you to understand, we have to have our minds, eyes opened. We live in a very narrow box, folks. And I know I'm late. I'm late. I'll tell you the time at 6.35. But I'm going to rush, and I want you to hear this because I want you to open your mind bigger than it's been. Everyone with me? You've got you to gotta open it bigger. You can't, you can't dwell in the same box you're in and then ask God and expect Him to do the impossible. In order for you to see more, you have to know He can do more. You see, the people in the early 1900s didn't know uh, that... Joel 2.28 was just for the first century. I guess no one told them that. Right? No one said this ain't going to happen again, so you're just in the afterglow of the presence of God. 
This is Brother William J. Seymour. I'm going to tell you a little bit about his story. Boy, you're talking about people who got the power of the Holy Ghost. It was like getting a tiger by the tail. And they hung on to it and would not let go. Because they were so hungry. They were so ready. They started a movement in this country. It came from Wales. And honey, when it spread to this country, it forever changed the history of Pentecostalism in this country. It changed the history of denominations in this country. Because there were people who were hungry. Because there were people who said until now, I thought this was just in the first century. But I just now realized that the Holy Ghost is for right now. It's for right now. It's for today, right now. Praise God. According to the Los Angeles Times, a bizarre new religious sect had started with people. Here is the, the quote from Los Angeles Times, 1906. Breathing strange utterances and mouthing a creed which it would seem no sane mortal could understand. Furthermore, quote, devotees of the weird doctrine practice the most fanatical rites, preach the wildest theories, and work themselves into a state of mad excitement. The article continued by saying that, quote, colored people and a sprinkling of whites compose the congregation, and night is made hideous in the neighborhood by the howlings of the worshipers who spend hours swaying back and forth in a nerve-wracking attitude of prayer and supplication, unquote. To top it all off, they claim to have received the gift of tongues and what's more, comprehend the babble. Los Angeles Times, 1906. Nonetheless, for the spiritually hungry who came from far and wide to receive their Pentecost, the very atmosphere of heaven had descended according to one. A visiting Baptist pastor said, quote, The Holy Spirit fell upon me and filled me literally as it seemed to lift me up. For indeed I was in the air in an instant shouting, quote, praise God, unquote. And instantly I began to speak in another language. I could not have been more surprised if at the same moment someone had handed me a million dollars. Praise God. I thought that was just for the first century until now. Until now. Oh, my goodness. And I've got to read you just a few things. Expectancy of revival intensified in Los Angeles, California, when believers there heard about a remarkable revival in Wales, where from September 1904 to June 1905, 100,000 people were converted to Christ. You even know where Wales is? It's not the kind that float in the ocean and blow water out their spout. People in another country, Great Britain, are getting the Holy Ghost. That's all over Europe. Why? Because people are hungry. And they stop looking at history to guide them. And they realize that the same presence of God is able to feel hunger in the current day and age. God help us that we don't stop and quench the flow of the Holy Ghost looking back with longing eyes in history. God has allowed his spirit to be poured out in this generation. 
praise God. Very quickly, I want to show you this. This is, this is some incredible stuff. William J. Seymour, an African-American, was born May 2nd, 1870. In Centerville, Louisiana, to former slaves, Simon and Phyllis Seymour, who raised him as a Baptist. Later, while living in Cincinnati, Ohio, he came into contact with holiness teachings through Marvin Wells Knapp's God's Revivalist Movement and Daniel S. Warner's Church of God Reformation Movement, otherwise known as the Evening Light Saints. Believing that they were living in the twilight of human history, isn't that something? Oh, see, they got a vision. They believed we're here, we're here, we're here right now, right? These Christians believe that the Spirit's outpouring would precede the rapture of the church. They deeply impressed the young Seymour. After moving to Houston, Seymour attended a local African-American holiness congregation pastored by Lucy F. Farrell, a former governess in the household of Charles F. Parham. Parham led the Midwestern Apostolic Faith Movement, the original name of the Pentecostal movement that he had become begun in his Bethel Bible School in Topeka, Kansas in January 1901. By 1905, he had relocated his base of operations to the Houston area where he conducted revivals and started another Bible school. Pharaoh arranged for Seymour to attend classes. However, because of the Jim Crow segregation laws of the time, Seymour had to listen to Parham's lectures while sitting apart from the other students. Seymour accepted Parham's view of baptism in the Holy Spirit, the belief that in every instance God would give intelligible languages, speaking in tongues to believers for missionary evangelism. These people are just hungry. They're ready for something to happen. And they believe they're in the last days and they're ready saying, okay, we're ready. Neely Terry, an African-American member of the new congregation led by Hutchinson in Los Angeles, visited Houston in 1905 and was impressed when she heard Seymour preach. Returning home, she recommended him to Hutchinson since the church was seeking a pastor. Seymour accepted an invitation to shepherd a small flock. Seymour immediately encountered resistance when just two days after arriving in Los Angeles, he began preaching to his new congregations that speaking in tongues was the Bible evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And people got mad. I don't like what you said. Well, it didn't affect him, none. Pardon the vernacular. He didn't care. On the following Sunday, March 4th, he returned to the mission and found that Hutchinson had padlocked the door. Condemnation also came from the Holiness Church Association of Southern California, with which the church had affiliation. Not everyone in the congregation, however, was troubled by Seymour's teaching. Undaunted, Seymour, staying at the home of church member Edward S. Lee, accepted Lee's invitation to hold Bible studies and prayer meetings there. After this, he went to the home of Richard and Ruth Asbury at 214 North Bonnie Brace, North Bonnie Bray Street. Five weeks later, Lee became the first to speak in tongues. Seymour then shared Lee's testimony at a gathering on North Bonnie Bray, and soon many began to speak in tongues. World, word of these events traveled quickly in the, both the African-American and white communities. For several nights, speakers preached on the porch to the crowds on the street below. Believers from Hutchinson's Mission, First New Testament Church, and various holiness congregations began to pray for the Pentecostal baptism. Hutchinson herself was eventually baptized in the Spirit, as was Seymour himself. 
The man was preaching about it before he even had it because he believed that it was coming. He believed it so strongly, he preached that it was coming, and while he was preaching it, God filled him with it. What do you expect tonight? What do you want tonight? What are you seeing happening tonight? We're so blessed. Finally, after the front porch collapsed, the group rented the former Stevens African American African Methodist Episcopal Church at 312 Azusa Street in early April. A Los, a Los Angeles newspaper referred to it as a tumble-down shack. It had recently been used as a livery stable and tenement house. This was in the 20th century, first part of the 20th century. Discarded lumber and plaster littered the large barn-like room on the ground floor. 300 to 350 people would pack into that whitewashed 40 by 60 foot wood frame structure. This church is about 30 by 90. They packed 350 in there. So we could get 400 in here. Do you realize that it wasn't that long ago that people went to Florida because of an outpouring of healing? How many people remember that? I knew people from Lone Oak, Arkansas who drove all the way to Florida to be healed. You don't think people want a change? You don't think people want healing? The same God that healed in the first century, the same God that healed and, and, and delivered in Wales and on North Bonnie Bray Street and on Azusa Street is the same God that is still in the 21st century. I don't look longingly at the first century or the 20th century, but I'm here right now. And until now, you may have thought that you just had to hope for something to happen. But honey, right now, in this congregation, tonight, God wants to communicate salvation and a miracle to you. I want you to raise your hands right now and believe God for it. Believe him right now for it. Hallelujah. I'm going to continue in this article very quickly. For the evangelicals around the world who had been praying for the outpouring of the latter reign of the Spirit, as promised by the Old Testament prophet Joel. You see, these people believe that. In the 20th century, they believed that Joel was still applicable to them. They didn't count it off. They believed it. It said they believe that around the world they've been praying for the outpouring of the Spirit prophesied by Joel. The spectacular results in Wales suggested that the great end times revival had begun. And I believe it began then and it's still continuing right here. It has not stopped until the trump sounds and the church is raptured out of this world. There is an outpouring that has been set in motion. Joshua, the 10th chapter, the 14th verse. This is when Joshua, and I'm ending with this. This is when Joshua was fighting against the Amorites, the five kings, and he literally was running out of time. 
They fought all night. They were tired. The sun was setting behind the hill of Gibeon. And in front of them was the valley of Ajalon. And Joshua saw that they were running out of time. And he said, God, I know you don't do unfinished business. And he looked up and said, sun, stand still. Moon, hold your place. We're not finishing this day until God finishes his work. We are not finishing in this church. We are not through in this century. We are not through as children of God until the Lord gathers up everybody he's already captured in the net. The net's already been cast. We're not finished yet. And this is my ending verse. And this is in God's word. And there was no day like that before it or after it that the Lord hearkened unto the voice of a man for the Lord fought for Israel until now. When that scripture was written, it was written for that time but honey, the same God is listening to people. If you will envision what God wants to do in your own life and in your family, and you will believe without doubting, you will have what you have spoken. Until now, that was the greatest event that ever happened. Until now. Raise your hands right now and give God thanks. Come on, why don't you envision things that you never have before? See it in your mind's eye. See it with your faith's eye. See it with your spirit. Visualize it. Don't doubt it. Bring it to God and then give Him thanks for it. Because when it leaves your mouth, His Word, His Word says, you shall have that which you have asked of Him. I thought about Brother Seymour. I thought about Brother Charles Parham and the other incredible people who had nothing. They were looking for buildings, preaching from streets and from balconies and anywhere they could get. And people, hungry people, were amassing all around them, begging for, wanting the presence of God. And because they were that hungry, the Spirit of God just kept pouring out. And it caused a shockwave around the world. People around the world heard about it. People came from other countries to experience it. Honey, we're living in that time right now. What made us think that Joel 2.28 was just for the first century? It happened in the 20th century. And I guarantee you it's time for it to happen now. Now is the time. I want you to pray a prayer right now of impossibility. And I want you to see it. Don't doubt in your heart. You know what doubt feels like. I want you to extend your faith right now. God, I believe. I know it's going to happen. I want to thank you for this. 
I, I know, God, that you hear what I'm saying. We're living in a day of your outpouring. God, it's going to happen, and I thank you for it. Come on, pray and believe for your healing. Pray and believe for your salvation, for deliverance from addictions, for deliverance from things that are destroying your homes, your families. Pray for it. And when it leaves your mouth, God's going to do it. That's his word. Lord, would you?